Lights up. Let's go to Ezra chapter 8. Ezra chapter 8. We're going to take a little break from our study through Mark. And uh, as you turn there, I want you to try to remember the bridge of that song. We won't move without you. We won't move without you. Ezra chapter 8. Glad that you're here tonight. I'm Josh, one of the pastors here at Living Hope, and I'm thankful that you took some time out of your Sunday to be with us tonight. You may or may not be aware, our church is, is kind of on the cusp of some possible uh, transition in, in, every, in every way. Um, a few, maybe two months ago, three months ago, whatever, uh, Sherwood Baptist Church over in Sherwood Forest approached us about uh, possibly uh, some sort of, of coming together between the two congregations. They uh, rebuilt after the flood and uh, lost a lot of their church members to relocation after the flood, or um, people had to move in with family that lived somewhere else, some into assisted living and stuff like that, and their congregation is, is older, uh, like their average age is older than us, and they don't have a lot of kids coming, and their, their biggest goal is to reach the community, uh, and they're having a hard time doing that. And so in praying about what to do, God kind of brought them through a series of events that led to uh, their leadership approaching our leadership about just exploring the possibilities, like, hey, maybe God has something uh, down the road for us to work together. They knew that we were praying for a building that we could use as an outpost for the kingdom of God uh, to meet in the morning to try to connect more with the community and that our desire was to grow, uh, not numerically, but to grow in, in deep ways, which means that, uh, that our room has all ages and all ethnicities and all... Like, all all uh, different socioeconomic categories and all that stuff represented. And so uh, they knew we were looking for that. They were trying to figure out how they could reach the community. They were praying for young families and children, of which we have uh, an, uh, an embarrassment of riches. Uh, and so could God be bringing us together in kind of a marriage between the two? That's what we've been trying to figure out. And the next month is really when, when we're going to get into the weeds a little bit about what that would look like. We're going to get into the details about these two congregations that so far, I mean, we've met one another a little bit and everything's been really, really cool. But if you sit down and you're like, hey, let me draw a picture of how our church functions and how we make decisions and all that kind of stuff, it's different than what their sketch would look like. And so to sit down and figure out, so what do you do, what do, you do with very different approaches to ministry? What do you do with, uh, with all these different things as you get past the initial introductions and you think God's in it? Uh, you got to come up with, with a proposal of some sort. you got to have something that you're, that you're able to pray through and respond to, some sort of picture of what this marriage would look like. 
And this month is going to be when those meetings would happen. When we would sit down and start to figure some of that stuff out and uh, that kind of stuff. So this is when it really, like this is really when the, the testing will be happening. And so um, in, in light of what the next month looks like, uh, the pastors here at Living Hope are going to declare a fast. And uh, that may sound really weird uh, to you. And uh, it's, it's, it's kind of weird on our end as well because you don't really declare. Like I keep thinking about Michael Scott declaring bankruptcy on the office where he just, just <laughs> screamed bankruptcy. And they're like, that's not how it works, man. You know, uh, I'm not going to scream fast. And everyone, like, what do we do with that? Uh, it, it's, it's, it's not exactly like we see in the Bible, but I think there are some similarities there. Um, what, is, what does it even mean to declare fast? Uh, essentially, it's just a season where we abstain from food in order to feast on the Lord and His will. Um, that we are uh, like sitting down and looking at our lives and saying, how can I disrupt uh, like one of what, what you would maybe say, maybe the most important rhythm of life, and how can I disrupt that in a way that helps me pay attention to what God is doing, and in a way that shows God, hey, this is, this is how bad I want to hear from you. This is how bad our church wants to hear from you. We can sing, we won't move without you. We can sing it. This is a way that we also like show it. Um, we abstain from food in order to feast on the Lord and His will. From very early on in our story, uh, this is what the people of God do. Like when they, when they need to love him more, when they need to listen deeply, they fast. It's all throughout the Bible. Um, let me give you a couple of, of reasons that people fast. Uh, some, of, some of them, especially in the Old Testament, they're kind, of, they're kind of like when things are difficult and dark. You know? In Judges 20, there's a, there's a civil war happening. And after one of the battles, they've lost you know, like 20,000 of their own people uh, two tribes fighting each other, and, and it's like they're, they've kind of retreated back just a little bit, and they begin to fast and mourn for all their, their, uh, their brothers that they have lost, and they're trying to decide, like, God, what do you want us to do? You want us to go back into the battle, or you want us to, like, what you, what's going on? And so that's like a, a dark time, and so they said, we're going we're gonna to fast, because we want God to lead us through this. Um, in 1 Samuel 7, Nehemiah 1, Daniel 9, Joel 1, Ezra 10... There's this confession of sin and idolatry, and when the people are broken before the Lord, they say, we, we, we're, we're going to fast, we're going to abstain from food, uh, because we, we want to show you our repentance, and we want to hear your grace, and we want to know what you have to say about our situation. Uh, 2 Samuel 1, uh, Saul has died, and there's grief and mourning. You see that a lot in the Old Testament, where that's a part of how they grieve the loss of someone, is they would fast. Uh, in 2 Samuel 12, uh, David has a sick baby, and a part of his, his approach before the, the Lord is to fast uh, and beg God for the health uh, of, of his child. Um, Matthew 4, Jesus uh, goes into the desert to basically battle the devil in temptation, and fasting is a part of that. It's a part of spiritual warfare, you know. So these are some of the maybe more difficult situations where the people of God, in, in realizing the, the heaviness of their situation, they said, well, we're going to fast um, in order to love deeply and listen closely. Then there's some, 
some positive ones. Uh, in Joel 2, a fast is a part of a, a return to the Lord. You know, like that's the, it's, it's like the other side of, of brokenness and repentance. It's a journey back to Him as accompanied by a fast. Uh, we'll talk about Ezra 8 in just a second. Second Chronicles 20, um, they are seeking divine help and deliverance and guidance uh, in a situation they're not sure what to do. And so they gather everyone. The king declares a fast, and they all huddle together. And they're like, look, we have no idea how to face this, but our God does. And we're, we're here to show you that. Um, in Daniel 10, he wants understanding of a vision. And so fast is a part of him really tuning in to know what God's doing. And in Deuteronomy 9, before Moses uh, receives the Ten Commandments, he fasts. In Matthew 4, before beginning his public ministry, Jesus fasts. In Acts 9, at his, upon his conversion, Saul fasts. In Acts 13, before the church goes into the, like, to the ends of the earth part of the Great Commission, the church fasts in order to really tune in to know what God's doing. And so, when the people of God are like, yeah, we, we need to love him more and we need to listen really closely to his leadership because we're on the cusp of something massive. His people fast and they pray. And so as your pastors, we're not, we're not uh, declaring a fast as though we were kings and you don't have a choice. And we're not, like, we're not inviting you into our fast. Be like, hey, if you want to fast, we're going to fast. You want to fast? Come on, you want to fast? We're not doing that either. We are asking you to fast. You can say no to it. It's fine. But we are making that pastoral request as we head into a, the next month of deep decision making to have a church that is looking at God and saying, uh, we won't move without you. So much so that we'll, we'll, uh, we'll break our eating patterns because we want to hear and we want to hear you, we want to know that you're in this, and we want you to know that we are serious about your leadership in our lives. Um, look, at, look at Ezra 8. Let's zoom in on one of these examples. So Ezra was a part of, uh, well, the, he wasn't, yeah, let me back up. The Babylonians come in and, and destroy Jerusalem, and they march uh, all the Israelites uh, back to Babylon. And so they're pushed into exile, and they're having to figure out how to exist apart from their homeland, apart from the promised land. Um, then a little while later, Persia comes in and destroys Babylon. And a part of that, uh, the Persian uh, king says, all of the Jews can return to Jerusalem. So Ezra is a part of a, of a coalition that's, that's traveling uh, from exile back to Jerusalem in order to reestablish the law of Moses, in order to reestablish all of the, the, the worship and the, the temple and everything that uh, is a part of who they are and how they worship their God, uh, he's going back to reestablish this. So this is a significant uh, thing that he is going to do. And the group that's going with him, uh, this is a major part of Israel being reestablished after the exile. And so that's a... Quick snapshot there. So verse 21. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the, river, at the river Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God, to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and our goods. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way. Since we had told the king, 
The hand of our God is, is for good on all who seek Him, and the power of His wrath is against all who forsake Him. So we fasted and implored our God for this, and He listened to our entreaty. A couple of things. Um, this important journey to reestablish the law of Moses in Jerusalem, this, this was... Um, there was like a really like a big picture kingdom of God significance to what they were doing. Like this was a, a major part of the story of Yahweh unfolding in the region, knowing that the Messiah was going to come, knowing that there's this bright, beautiful future ahead of them. So they were on this important and really significant journey. The second thing they needed to arrive safely, you know. Like they're like, Hey, we got a long way to go. Uh, travel by foot and by you know donkey and stuff is dangerous, and um, there are there are there's a lot of peril along the way. Uh, it's rough on you physically. There's you got there's got there's food and water. You're you're dependent on the hospitality of strangers to kind of like take care of you. Um, there are robbers that were always like waiting uh, for people to come by to like jump out and rob them. It was just you know normal stuff. So they're like, this journey is so significant that we, we really need protection in order to get there safely. Um, he didn't want to ask the king for armed guards because he'd already made a big deal to the king about how God takes care of his people. You know? So he's like, eh, I don't really want to like, do that. So um, I want to show the king that we really believe that our God will protect us. So instead of asking him for armed soldiers to guard us, we're just going to ask God to take care of us. And we're going to fast and we're going to pray so, because we want God to know how serious we are. And we want like those who don't know Yahweh uh, to know as well. So, third thing, they humbled themselves through fasting and implored the Lord. That's what it says in verse 21. Look at it again. I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God. That when you are fasting, you are humbling yourself. You're saying, God, I, I am, am so dependent on so many things to live. And food being one of them. And I'm going to show you that I, as much as I need food, I really don't need food. I need you more than I need food. You're the, like, you're the one. You're the sustainer of my life. And so if I am not eating you can still keep me alive. We want your protection on this journey so much that we're going to humble ourselves. And instead of, instead of like, uh, you know, like storing up for the winter and all that kind of stuff, you know, which I'm not saying those things are bad. They're saying, but in this situation, we're going to go the other direction. We're just going to humble ourselves and say, it's not, it's, it's not about us. It's not about our journey. It's about you. And we want you to show off through our lives by sustaining us. And so we're going to fast um, as a means of humility. And we're going to implore the Lord. Uh, look at verse 23. So we fasted and, and implored our God for this. To implore, that's a pretty, that, there's an intensity to that word. You know, I'm all about ask, seek, knock. So, you know, it's one, one of the things, one of the passages that God has used uh, to kind of frame up some of our journey over the last couple of years. But implore that has a, it just feels differently you know it carries a little different weight we're going to implore our god we're going to humble ourselves through fasting and we're just going to beg him we're going to demonstrate our faith to him and the last thing 
It says, uh, and he listened to our entreaty. An entreaty is a, is, is a humble request. So God, I mean, God listened to him. So, so here we were. We're going on this significant journey. We're going to humble ourselves. We're going to fast. We're going to implore our God. And he is a listener. That's the heart behind their fast. It's not like any other kind of weird motives. They want God to know something. They want themselves, they want to test themselves as well in their own belief. They want to share that burden with one another, that together we're going to fast. And so that God knows our faith, and we know our faith, and the world around us knows our faith. Um, so that's where it comes from for us. Uh, so what are, the, what are some of the details of our fast? Let me, let me tell you. In a very similar way to that Ezra passage, um, they're going on a journey, we're going on a journey. There's had a kingdom significance. Everything we do has a kingdom significance. Every moment that we are here on Richland Avenue has a kingdom significance. It's not that we're going to suddenly take on, finally, some kingdom significance. What we're doing is significant all the time. The journey he has us on, though, like this could be, this could be as significant as when we launched in 2006. You know, like this is, uh, this is a major chapter turn, and so we're similar to them in that sense. Um, only God knows how to honor and protect everyone that's involved. You know, there's 45 or so over at Sherwood Baptist that it is an absolute priority to us that we honor them, we bless them, and we keep them. Like, we literally keep them, but we also, like, keep them. Um, it's just very important. And only God knows how to take two different congregations who approach things differently. Generationally, we're different. There's just so many things that are different. Only He knows how to proceed in such a way that it, it honors and protects everyone to where it's not the kind of thing that is wounding to either congregation. And I bet a lot of us in this room know people who don't want anything to do with church now because their church went through some sort of major transition and there was just uh, all kinds of shrapnel left over. And they were like, you know what? I don't really want anything to do with people who are going to hurt each other like that. And so God knows how to do something like this, how to protect us through the journey. And so we're going to trust him with that. So we're going to need to humble ourselves. Um, we, we can be very prideful on our own. We don't need his help for that. But we cannot be humble without him. And so we're going to implore him, trusting that he will listen to our humble requests. And uh, when you think about Moses fasting before the Ten Commandments, you think about Jesus fasting before his ministry, you think about Paul fasting before his ministry, you think about the, uh, the, in Acts 13, before to the ends of the earth began when Saul and Barnabas went out, them fasting. Uh, we, let's just put ourselves at the end of that little list and say, yeah, well, we fasted before we planted in 2006, and now we're going to fast before we do whatever God has us doing in 2018. It's all, it's all the same. It's what the people of God do. So, starting tomorrow, I know you all are probably thinking, ain't there a bunch of food in the fellowship hall back there? That's all for me. Uh, starting tomorrow... Through the beginning of Advent, which will be December the 3rd, um, that's going to be our, our time of fasting. Which is not to say that it can't go beyond that. But when we get into Advent, it may just morph and change a little bit. But that's because this is when the big, significant, 
discussions will be happening over the next month. And so for our church to be fasting and praying during that time is going to be very important. Um, we are working toward a, a proposal that, like one proposal that can go to each congregation for everyone to pray about, discuss, uh, all that kind of stuff, and ultimately come to a decision on. Um, so that's the goal that will happen this month. And so during the next month, we want to abstain from food and replace it with prayer. Now, that can look a bunch of different ways. I probably should have said this from the beginning. We're not asking you to, pr- to literally fast every second for a month. Um, in fact, we, there, if you have it in your head that you're going to be like that like, super tough guy that does the thir- like a 30-day fast, don't do it. Uh, it is medically like, very not, much not good for you. And um, I, Yeah, let's just not do that. It'll look different for every one of us, okay? So if you're already anxious about it, let's dial it down a little bit, okay? It's going to look different for everyone, and, and we want to give you the flexibility to just come before the Lord and figure out what it needs to look like for you. Um, here are a couple of options. There are some people who will skip a meal each day. That's the way your fast looks. You pick a, pick a meal, you skip it every day between now and Advent. Uh, you may want to pick something consistent in your diet that you that you uh, cut out, and so maybe you go vegetarian for a month, or maybe there's like um, some sort of uh, a, like bread, or um, maybe you become a vegan. I had my first vegan meal uh, a week or two ago, and it wasn't that bad. Um, maybe there's an eating plan that you want to do. Maybe Journey for Hope or Whole Thirty or Paleo. I would suggest Journey for Hope though. Um, Maybe there is some sort of dietary uh, plan that you are a part of that, uh, that means that you are fasting from specific things for the next month. Uh, that counts. You know? You're trying to take your normal eating rhythms and interrupt them in a way that, that you are literally sacrificing something. You're having to say no to something that you really want to say yes to and you're used to saying yes to. You want to say no to it. Um, some people might might have something specific that they're fasting, they're cutting out of every meal, and maybe there's one day a week where you fast the, the whole day, or maybe like a 36-hour period, you know, something that's safe like that. Uh, just be careful and don't try to be a hero. And if you aren't sure what to do, this is a great, these are great conversations to, to be having with each other. There are times when the, you know, the Bible is like, hey, don't make a big public deal out of you, yourself fasting now, all right? Um, this would be different. This would be one that we should be talking about. Um, this is something that we are doing together, and so we need to really do it together. Jesus says that our hearts and our wallets are connected. Um, our stomachs and our uh, hearts are also connected. Uh, this is why people, the people of God, fast. Um, essentially, what we're, what we're going to say is, God, I, I, want, I want your leadership of our church so bad that I'm willing to not eat. Now, that's how bad I, that, that's how bad we want you to lead us in this. That's how much we're trusting you. That's how, like, we want your we want to get your attention, and we want you to have our attention. And what better way than to interrupt food, which has such a weird role in our lives anyway? Essentially, saying I love you more than food. I love you more than bread. I love you more than whatever it is that you're cutting out. I love you more. I love you more than all of these things. And I believe that you're doing something massive among us. And we just we want to be completely dialed in to you. So, what you do is you find a way to replace food with prayer. 
So if you skip a meal, that might be easy. You know, If you're a three-meal-a-day person, you're like, okay, I'm cutting out breakfast. Then instead of eating breakfast, you spend that time praying. So if you're cutting out one meal of the day, that's, that would be easy to like, figure out how prayer fits into it. If you're doing a, like some sort of dietary plan where you're making adjustments to what, you know, what's um, like your intake and all that kind of stuff, it might be, uh, a, you have to be a little more creative in figuring out where does prayer come into it. As long as food, as long as some kind of food is being abstained from and prayer is going in, uh, then you're, you're fine. Okay? And some of you will have their medical reasons why you need to be careful about this. Um, some of you, I know like, you know, moms who are nursing, all that kind of stuff. There's all these different things to consider, so just hear the freedom in it. Um, each day of the week, there's going to be something specific we're going to pray for. There's seven things. We'll, we'll go, uh, every Monday will be the same thing, every Tuesday will be the same thing, like we did with 30 Days a couple years ago. Really quickly, here are the things. On Monday, um, we're going to pray for the Sherwood Baptist congregation. On Tuesday... We're gonna um, we're gonna ask God to uh, purify our motives. On Wednesday, we're gonna you're gonna pray for the leaders at Living Hope because we'll be the ones at the table. I'd love to bring you all, but that would be a really long meeting. So um, Thursday, we're gonna tell the Lord that we are trusting Him to work out the details. Friday, we're gonna pray for the leaders at Sherwood Baptist. On Saturday. Um, we're going to pray for our own congregation. Um, and then Sunday, we're going to pray the, what Jesus prayed in the garden. In all of this, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So we're going to cycle through praying for their congregation and their leaders, our congregation and our leaders. Pure motives, trusting him to work out the details, and it absolutely being not about what we want, but what he wants. We're going to cycle through that while abstaining from food. Unified in fasting, but in different ways. Unified in praying for these, these target like points, but then also just feel free to pray whatever you want to pray about. Uh, over the next month, this will come, I'll email all that stuff tonight, uh, so you don't have to worry about that. We'll also use social media to our advantage. We'll, we'll get it in front of you, so don't worry if that list was too fast, and uh, it'll be a little more specific. This is what the people of God do, and... Uh, let's not miss the fact that we are at a point, like he, his faithfulness has led us down the road to the point where we're fasting about all the things we've been asking him to do among us for years. We're at that point now. For Ezra, to, for them to be living in exile, they've watched, like they know their people had been driven away. Persia had come in and freed them. They finally get the green light to go back to Jerusalem, and it's time for them to set out on the journey. And they're like, hey, let's... Let's fast and pray. Let's humble ourselves before our God. Uh, they were on the cusp. Jesus was on the cusp. Paul was on the cusp. The New Testament church was on the cusp. We are on the cusp. This is who we are. This is what we do. Now, I could be here for another two hours explaining fasting and talking about it and all this kind of stuff, but I hope you just get the spirit behind it. Um, the elders are here. We, we want to help you figure out the mechanics if you're like a little bit confused. But I hope that you, that you get a sense of what we're, what we're asking you to do. Um, and also that the freedom to just figure out how it works for you. But we're only at this point where I'm only talking about this tonight by the grace of God. And I hope, I, I've told several people this over the last couple of weeks, that 
that I hope that this whole thing just makes us love God more. You know? That we've asked Him and asked and asked and asked. And His timeline was different and the way He's done things has been different. But we're, at, we're, we're having this discussion. It's amazing. And so Jesus wants to give us all of His grace to get us through. He is what we need. And we have uh, every bit of Him. So we're going to spend some time responding like we, like we do on Sundays. Chase is going to serve communion. This is, the, this is the kind of communion where you tear the bread off and you dip it in yourself. And we make a big line and do that. And let's not get lost in the fact that, I mean, Chase will be the one holding, holding the stuff. But Jesus is the one offering himself. So if you're sitting there and you're thinking, I don't think I can fast for that long. I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can do this. Can't I just pray without doing the, the, the food thing? You need to do the food thing. You do. You can do it. Jesus is offering his grace to you. He's going to help you. I think he has a big smile on his face. I think he's like, you have no idea how tuned in you're going to be. This fast, we're not asking anyone to discern anything, to hear from God. We're just asking him to bless the process. And he wants to do that. And so communion is a response. You can tithe. That's a response. You can kneel and pray. You can stand and sing. You can do all the above, whatever you want to do. But before we go do the potluck thing, let's... Let's really kind of feast a little bit on what God is doing in our midst. So let's stand together. God, you are good to us. And um, you're writing a story. And we know that you are the, you're the star. You're the centerpiece of that story. And you don't need us in order to write it. But you desire that we be a part of it. You want us, and um, you had Living Hope Fellowship in mind long before any of us were around. And you've known exactly the timing of everything. You know exactly what the next month will hold. You know how every one of us in this room needs to fast and pray. You know what those meetings are going to look like. You know what those details are going to look like. You know how to honor uh, both congregations to where on the other side of whatever this is, No one is wounded and hurt, but people are just loving you more, trusting you more, bringing that faithfulness into their own lives. And they're looking and saying, well, if God can do that, then he can surely take care of me. Only you can do all those things. So help us to see the big picture of what you're doing. And as we as a congregation step into this long tradition of of focusing on you, feasting on you by abstaining from food Um, we thank you for the opportunity to even have this month in front of us and so help us to see the big picture of what you're doing and to hear your invitation to join you and be a part of it we're thankful Jesus we're thankful for your grace that you offer to us your body broken for us your blood poured out for us This story is just, it's your story. We're blessed to be a part of it. So as we respond in different ways, God, would you help drive some of these things deep into our hearts and minds? May we proceed forward as a church in ways that honor you, glorify you, and send a message to the the city around us. We love you. We pray this all in your name. 
table is open. Let's respond together for a few minutes. Um,